Great morning, great afternoon, great evening, wherever this conversation finds you. I am Travis Gray, and today we are transforming with our guest, Valerie Gangas. With a background in religious studies and a master of transpersonal psychology, Valerie is a speaker, life coach, and author. She is the best-selling author of Enlightenment is Sexy and her latest publication, In Deep Shift. I'm really excited for this conversation with you, Valerie. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So um, we we met uh, a while ago in an intensive seminar at Sophia University. You graduated with a master's degree in transpersonal psychology from there. And I was, I, I, I just felt a resonance with you right away. There's something about the book, Enlightenment and Sexy was, was really cool to me. And I, I'm just curious, like, how did this journey start for you? You are religious studies major, you found transpersonal psychology, found Sophia, um, but what what initially got you into all of those things? Um, I have always been interested in spirituality as far back as I can remember. Um, my mom was a former Catholic nun. She was a poet. She specifically wrote mystical poetry. She was always talking to me about the Catholic mystics. Um, even at a young age, she could pick my birth date. So she had me on the feast day of St. Teresa of Avila. So all these things added up to my love of spirituality. And it was probably because of her influence. So by the time I got to college, I remember saying to my parents, like, well, what else would I study but God? I mean, it's the only thing that really matters. And uh, that started me down the road of you know, studying religion and then transpersonal psychology. Um, cause I, I couldn't stop. I was devouring information on my own. And then I wanted to be in a more academic structured environment. And that led me to Sophia. And, and like I told you before the uh, interview started, I think what I really wanted to study was something like transpersonal psychology, mm -hmm. um, when I went to college, but I never knew that that was an option. So the best I could do was um, comparative religious studies, which I also enjoyed, mm -hmm. but um, I wanted something deep. Yes. So I've always been drawn to this. I can't imagine not being drawn to spirituality. I love the psychology component. And yeah, I just went on and on. It just didn't stop. So your your mother was, was roomy. <laughs> she, she was a total wizard. Yeah, That's so definitely. Cool. That's so beautiful. And, uh, and so you, you found transpersonal psychology as a field. What, what makes this stand out in comparison to comparative religions? Um, I'm, I, I haven't, I've never been in a, a degree program of comparative religions. What, what makes it, what makes it different? What makes it stand out differently? Well, with comparative religious studies, you know, it was more history, sociology. Um, I had courses like women in the Bible. So we would analyze different stories and stories that were left out of the Bible. It was way more academic in the sense that it was like history, you know, sociology. It was, it didn't give you room to like really expand your mind within the study where mm -hmm. transpersonal psychology, it made me dig deep within myself. You know, yeah. it was a different type of track and, um, for me, the reason I went 
I wanted to study transpersonal psychology is because I was really interested in spiritual emergencies because of an experience that I personally had. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what, that's where my interest lied because of this experience that I had after a very long meditation course. So you, you had uh, an experience during a meditation course that uh, made you think that you should have maybe a, a more personal spiritual study of, of religion and spirituality. And that's what brought you to transpersonal psychology? Did yeah. And I wanted to understand like what happened to me, you right. know, and I knew I wasn't going to find that in like a, just a normal religious studies class. Yeah. I needed, yeah. I needed more. Yeah. And then this, this new book in deep shift that, that is about that, right. That, that spiritual emergency, maybe a, a, an emergence happening, yeah. the deep shift that is happening for people. Right. And that's, you know, coming off the heels of enlightenment is sexy. That was a little lighter and, you know, everything was kind of magical and full of butterflies and glitter. This in deep shift, it, it got more real because um, of the experiences I started having as time went on. Yeah. How, how did you come up with such a compelling title, Enlightenment is Sexy? And then and then this one, In Deep Shift, how does that happen? Um, Enlightenment is Sexy, I dreamt it up one night and I woke up early in the morning and immediately wrote it down and then literally called my attorney like the moment I could and trademarked it because I knew it was something really special because- I felt like real beauty came from being awake. Yeah. It was like a totally different way of seeing quote unquote, what sexy was. Yeah. And when I would see people that were awake, they were like gorgeous to me. They were just full of light. And to me, that was like really sexy. Right. Yeah. The, um, there, the, there's something that like comes out from the inside onto their, onto the features that totally. they're presenting in the world. Yeah, it's just a different type of beauty. And um, that's the beauty that I was drawn to. And so I thought like, well, that's really what's sexy. It's not, you know, what shade lipstick you have on or, you know, what dress you're wearing that day. It's, it's no, <laughs> that that's not, doesn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, so, and I was trying, I wrote the, I wrote the book for women because I honestly did not think any men would read it. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to put the message out like, you know, it's an inside job. Like that's, what's going to make you beautiful and sexy instead of like chasing those Kardashian dreams. <laughs> so uh, did you find a, a lot of men read the book as well? They did. And I did not see that coming. I, I don't know why I'd never written a book before. So I kind of just assumed it would be all women. Um, I have no idea why I thought that, but Yes, a lot of men ended up reading the book and they all said the same thing. Like, why is this book only for women? Like, I really liked it. And it was just my mind yeah. going in that direction. Where did you find the courage to author your first book during your master's degree program? Um, I think I was just finishing it up when I started. No, did I, I think I finished the book. I'm trying to think of the timeline now. And then I think I went on the meditation course and then I started my master's degree. So I think there was a little bit of a um, break in time. So it was, it was actually before you went into the master's degree program. Yes, it was. Yeah. I had to think about that. I have like no sense of time whatsoever, yeah. but yes, it was before that because I 
was working for the David Lynch Foundation. Mm-hmm. And then that ended. And then I wrote the book. Then my brother got leukemia. Mm-hmm. Then um, I started my master's degree or maybe it like overlapped a little bit. So there was a little bit of a gap, I think. Yeah. Wow. The, uh, it, it's just, it's so courageous to have decided to do that. So where did you find, Yeah, I, I find a lot of a lot of uh, scholars, a lot of colleagues in this field of transpersonal psychology or just other, uh, in, in any field, they feel this resistance to the authorship of their books, uh, the authorship of their offerings into the world. Where do you find your courage and, and confidence in yourself to, to put out this, what became a best-selling book, Enlightenment is Sexy? Um, I don't know. I've never thought about it as courage. It's just, um, I actually had a dream Mm -hmm. that was a very profound, real dream. And my mother was in it. She had passed away in 2011. She came to me while I was sleeping, but I was actually awake. And she showed me herself at a typewriter Mm -hmm. and she was typing. And I said to her, like, you know, you passed away. Like what, why are you still typing? Like I wasn't making the connection. And she said, I'm continuing my work, but it's going to be through you. And I said to her, I don't know how to write. Like I was in the restaurant and bar business. I had nothing to do with writing. She was the writer. And she said, you will write. And I, I'm going to write through you. So that really affected me. And then, um, it was like a year later that I quit my job and sold everything I owned and just like it was in my mind and then I had to do it. And that's when I moved out to Iowa um, specifically to, to distance myself from my world and write the book. So I didn't look at it as courage. It, it felt almost like I was being led to do it. And I kind of just paid attention to those signs. Yeah. So when you moved to Iowa, you did, were you in this, uh, you, you moved to that meditation town, right? What, what is yeah. it? Fairfield, Iowa. Fairfield, Iowa. Mm-hmm. I was born and raised in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Never heard of Fairfield, Iowa. And then <laughs> and then I moved to California on this transpersonal journey. And then maybe not even not even into at the sort of the end of my master's degree in counseling psychology. Then I started hearing about this name and it's been there all along, this Fairfield, Iowa. I, I want to visit. <laughs> you would probably really like it. I mean yeah. Parsons College used to be here. And then um, the group of meditators here, they bought the college. And so we have a university here. So there's people from all over the world that come here. And um, I would say at least half the town is, uh, they practice transcendental meditation. So that makes for a very unique environment. Mm -hmm. But and for me, it was, I knew one person here and I thought, well, I'm living in Chicago in the city. I'd been in the city for like almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, well, I'll move to the middle of nowhere, Iowa, and I'm not going to have any distractions and I can just write my book. And then I ended up like meeting the whole town and like really falling in love with it here. Yeah, that's so awesome. So you're in Fairfield, Iowa now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow, that, that's so cool. Because I've, I've met maybe... Um, or I haven't met, but I know of something like 30 people from Fairfield, Iowa that are attending Sophia University. Really? Yeah. So, so, some like well, astronomical. That makes, <laughs> that makes sense because even here we have a consciousness-based school. So right. I think 
people in this neighborhood would be interested in in that type of education. Right. You know, I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand with their lifestyle. Yeah. It, it, it's so it's so cool. Uh, but I have heard that people have felt sort of uh, boxed in, maybe in a, maybe in a similar way that you described uh, comparative religion and comparative religion. Maybe you are only you, it, it just doesn't give you the room to experience what is in through and happening to you and outside of you outside of the 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 context of a specific thing and instead transpersonal psychology allows you to you know kind of push these boundaries mm-hmm. of what what spirituality could mean to you exactly that's like you nailed it and i was looking for more experiences and, and knowledge, you know, for them to go hand in hand. But again, I didn't think that that was an option. Like I didn't know what that was. And now that I'm sitting here, I think I was writing my book when I was getting my master's degree. Yeah. I, I thought like, so. I, th- I thought yeah, I, 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 I just was like, wait a second. Right. Yes. I must've been, I got my like timeline straight up. Cause again, I have no sense of time, but anyway, yeah, yeah I think a consciousness based school is incorporating um the experiences with the knowledge and to me that's like golden that's like everything then you really you really absorb it yeah yeah it's 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 a beautiful field that we are a part of and involved in and that we get the opportunity to transform to be an impactful influence in the transformation of other people's lives Mm -hmm. and then and then it just it just continues to nourish us. It continues to nourish our own, our own ongoing transformation. Yeah. And I wanted a different way of looking at things. You know, I didn't want the same old, same old, like I wanted to expand my mind in the idea of even helping people. So when I was in my master's degree at the same time, I was doing um, the coaching track, which was another amazing experience to have, Um, to be doing both of those at the same time. It really it was just an extraordinary experience. Yeah. So the, the In Deep Shift, uh, that's another compelling title. Did that come to you in a dream as well? No, it didn't. No, it didn't. <laughs> I was talking to my editor and we were laughing that when you start having shifts in consciousness, you can feel like you're in deep shit because nothing makes sense. You know, you're you're overwhelmed. Everything has changed. Oh my God, what am I going to do? And so we came up with the title together in deep shift. That's awesome. And <laughs> yeah, it, it does feel like you're in deep shit when you're, it does. when you're going through like a spiritual emergency, just crisis. And, and, and sometimes when you don't have the, the community around you, you don't have any guidance from anybody else. It's the whole reason I wrote the book. Cause I didn't want people to feel alone. I mean, even if they had that book in their hands, The worst part to me is to think that people would be told that they're crazy or, you know, not, not believed in any of that. Like I actually couldn't handle that in my heart. So that was the purpose behind this book to make people feel seen and, and less alone because it's not crazy. It's, I feel like it's as natural as natural can be. Like we're meant to evolve. We're meant to have expanded consciousness and awareness. Like that's who, that's what we are. So, but if you talk to the wrong people, you know, they're going to start suggesting medication and, you know, uh, 
get some psychological help, which you might need, but, um, I think it's good to surround yourself with other people that maybe have had similar experiences or are educated in that field. So you can be understood, which absolutely takes the trauma level way down. Yeah. The, the sort of the problem with that pathological approach is that it is the permanence of it. The, the permanence of being on these psychiatric medications for mm-hmm. the, the rest of your life. Some, sometimes that the, the medication can be helpful for these periods of time. Yeah. I, I, I like, I like it to be thought of as homeostatic disruption. Mm-hmm. And so it is, it is disrupting the homeostasis that has gotten you into, into these maybe episodes of, of panic and anxiety and crisis but then on the other side of that, with, with the right support and guidance, uh, mentorship, those things can help you find this new homeostasis that will be even more effective. You'll be on the maybe the other side of that deep shift. Absolutely. You cross the Rubicon and there's no going back. And then life really gets exciting and beautiful, And but it is a new way of living. And so- for people to feel overwhelmed or anxious or confused, like that's totally normal. Yeah. But I think you really, the support is, is critical. Absolutely. The support is critical. So, you know, th- thank you for books like this. Thank you for this book. So that other people can find that support in your writing in deep shift. Just I, well, as I was reading it, 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 it just felt so personal to me. It felt so, so like just having a conversation with somebody and it, it, that that's incredibly impactful when you feel so alone, when you feel like you don't have the community support and you're, you're looking for something like that. Yeah. And I mean, you start having like non-ordinary experiences and stuff, and it's really off the wall, like that can really throw you for a loop. So to have someone be like, no, that's like, it happens. It's, it's normal. You're not you know, off your rocker, this is like a part of it, you know, it's energy moving through your body. It's, it's not what you think it is and you will make it through. Um, I don't know. That was the goal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you nailed it. So I, I, I am fascinated by these moments, right? These, these, these instant events, these, these events that become the catalyst, they catalyze this experience of transformation. And in, in early on, I asked this question in transpersonal psychology, do people, do you, do people even want to transform? Is that, is that something that people want in general, in objective, in objectively looking at human beings, do, do they want transformation? Do they want these individual moments of deepening their spiritual experience and expanding their minds and investing in their bodies in healthy ways do they do they want that and it it seemed very true that yes they do want that and so what are these moments what are these moments that put people in deep shift well i mean i don't even know if they consciously want it because i don't think you even know what it is till you have the experience Like I told you before, I always loved spirituality. I mean, again, this is like my whole life. I was, you know, I was reading everything I could get my hands on. My mom used to tell me like, just pass your classes and then read whatever you want, you know, at home, because it was like consuming me in a way, in a good way, in a healthy way. But 
I never could have comprehended what can happen to you when you have these shifts in consciousness. Cause I don't think it's something you can read in a book only you have to experience it and then you can read about it. So it helps you process it and understand it. So I think in theory, people are like, yeah, you know, I want to, I want to have that experience and um, I want to take care of my body and make all of this work together in order to kind of like, quote unquote, move forward. But it's like explaining to someone like what, I don't know, a peach tastes like you have to actually like taste some of it, even if it's a glimpse. And then I think you start maybe moving towards that. And then there's the whole other subject of leaning back instead of leaning into it, because I don't think this is something you can force. I think it's something that happens to you. And then how do you deal with it? I mean, at least that has been my experience. Yeah. So, so it's kind of like, I call it opposite land. Like you think you can push and push and push, but it's really like, it will come to you. And then how you deal with it and integrate it. That's what makes all the difference in the world. Mm -hmm. So, so you see that as leaning back, not leaning in. Yeah. Leaning back. And then, it, then you kind of go on autopilot. Like all of a sudden, you know, you've had these experiences and you look at your body differently. You look at your group of friends differently. You realize like, I'm not going to pollute my system because you see how holy this is. So you naturally, you know, start moving your body more and you start eating better. It's like, it's not like a forced thing on you. You become that, you know, you like to meditate more, be alone more. These, uh, these hallmarks that come with expanded awareness. It's like, you don't treat your body anymore like a garbage can because you realize you are, you are it, Yeah. you know? So I think you have to have some glimpses of it to start then um, moving towards more of it. So then you begin to allow it to happen to you rather than forcing this shift. Yeah. I think people get in trouble when they're like doing yoga, doing Reiki, going to energy, like they're doing 500 things. And it's like too much of a good thing is not good either. And they can get real confusing and you can have all sorts of experiences that maybe are not as smooth and you're like out of the flow. And you know, that can get real hairy too. So I always tell people like, take it easy, just like lean into things a little bit. If you like yoga, then do a little bit more of that. But like, you can't push it. It's, it's, I don't know. I feel like it comes to you. Yeah, I, I, I get that. I, I think that people's people run out of Ram. They, they run yes. out of yes. battery power to, to yes. if they're forcing it all the time. If it, yeah, because it's day, a lot of energy. Right. And if every day I'm just focused on how can I be better? How can I transform myself? How can I, that's you know, not sustainable. Yeah. And it's like exhausting. Like, I don't know. I want to have a peaceful life. Like that feels exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is exhausting. I think, I think the, uh, a really good uh, metaphor for this is, is that you, you know, if you're, if you're out in the wilderness you don't want to, when you start a fire, you don't want to waste all of your gasoline or all of your firewood so that you can have this biggest burning fire. You want the biggest burning fire ever. And, and, and that can cause problems that can, that can burn down the wilderness. 
but what you want is to be able to keep your embers warm so that you mm -hmm. can start the fire anytime you need to start the fire. Perfect. And so you do these small practices mm -hmm. and you clean in a little bit. So I, I like, I like what you're saying there. Are there, are there certain transformative practices that you gravitate towards more than others or that you uh, encourage other people more than others? I mean, of course I love to meditate now because I had such an amazing experience with it. And I've, I've played with it. Like, how I feel if I don't meditate versus how I feel if I do meditate. And my conclusion is like, life is just smoother. So it's something, you know, for me, it's like I'm on autopilot now and, and it makes my life better. So I do that. I'm really um, aware of my sleep. I don't mess with that anymore. Like I need to get good rest at night. And like, that makes all the difference. It's simple things. Like I want to eat fresh food. I want to exercise. It's like these little practices that seem like, well, duh, it's like they make a huge difference in your life. And, you know, I've, I've tried other things. Um, I've tried yoga. I, I like it, but I'm not like obsessed with it and, you know, different chanting and stuff like that. And nothing has hit me as hard as meditation that I feel like will be a constant with me till the day I die. Is it, is it the silence? And prayer and prayer. It's and the prayer. silence. It's, um, I've described it like when I meditate, I feel like I'm having a near death experience. Like every time I close my eyes, it's like, I'm going to another place and experiencing something that is of another world. And for me, I like it because my whole life, I felt like I had one foot in another world. So it just feels very familiar to me. And it like bridges that gap. And I've always needed that. And then I found it. So I kind of felt like that's been enough for me. Mm -hmm. I'm not like a spiritual junkie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not I like that. And, and so, so many people that start on a spiritual journey, they initially, in that very first kind of section of their experience, they do become this like like a spiritual junkie, and it, they yeah. run out of brand, they run out of out of fuel. Yeah, I mean, I really just um, live my life and I meditate. I've made things very simple in my world. I've gotten rid of a ton of distractions. I like to be alone a lot. Um, I like the silence. I like to read and write. I mean, it's very, it's as simple. I don't, I never got married. Don't have kids. It's like as quiet and simple as humanly possible. But within that there's, it's so dynamic and interesting. And again, I feel like I'm living like an opposite land of like what I thought life had to be. It's not. Wow. That's awesome. And, and do you, do you, do you believe that like, it's, it's really just about people's design of how they want this experience to unfold in their, in their, in their lives? Yeah. I mean, I just kept moving towards what I felt was right for me. And it probably looks very different than how I used to live. And um, that's fine because I feel very authentic because I just knew like I had to live a certain way and, you know, we have different seasons in our lives, you know, maybe a year from now, I'm doing something totally different, but that core self, it never, ever changes that silence. Like it never leaves me no matter what. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So do, what, what are the challenges that somebody that feels themselves in deep shift or what, what should they be, what are the challenges that they might be dealing with? How do they overcome these challenges? What, what, are, what are they looking forward to on the other side of deep shift? I mean, I think when you start connecting to your true self, like capital T, true self, your authentic life, that brings a lot of happiness and fulfillment to your life. And that's something to really look forward to. I think we're conditioned to live a certain way and it's just simply not true. So when you start carving out your own path, it's like, the whole world opens up to you, the whole universe. I mean, it's really um, an incredible experience, but it's almost as though you have to unlearn everything you've learned to then live this way. And that can be very challenging on many, many different levels. You have to deal with your family, your friends, maybe leaving a partner, um, changing jobs, changing locations where you live. It's, it's never ending because literally everything changes you're turned inside out. And so it takes a lot like that to me is courage, not writing a book, like dealing with that takes courage and to stand up for yourself and um, be able to see all the signs in front of you and follow them. It's like, you're operating on a whole other level. Yeah. Do and you're kind of the minority. You are the, not kind of, you are the minority. So you have to carve your own path. And it's like pretty challenging. How do, how do people deal with being misunderstood by their family and friends and, and, and their community? And what would, what it's, hard. it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. You have to build a lot of strength inside. And I, never wanted to be like combative or anything like that. There's, I don't think there's a need for that. Um, I think it's probably wise if you're having experiences like this to work with a therapist, a transpersonal therapist, if you can, and, you know, really get the support, get someone on your team that is understanding what you um, want, who you really are. And eventually you'll gain the strength to just live on your own terms and what, whatever will be, will be. Yeah. You know, yeah. your family, like if you're an adult, they just have to deal with it and they will, they get used to it after a while. And if it turns into a real problem, well, then you have to make a decision. Like, is it me or them? And you have, I mean, it's like, please choose yourself. You know, it's not being selfish. Like ultimately they're not working with you either. Yeah. If the evidence is clear that you need to make a decision so that you can be authentic to yourself, ma make that choice. Make that choice. And it might take you years because again, we're conditioned to be a certain way. It's really hard to undo that because all of society is telling you like, that's the way it's done. So to stand on your own and say like, no, I feel sick when I do that. Like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to live that way. Um, it takes time and perseverance and you do need support. So you feel like you're not completely alone in this. Yeah. And, and Valerie, it just still, it still feels like, you know, the, the, the chapter is always in transition. I, I'm constantly in deep shift. What, what, what is, is the other side, your, the deep shift is done. I don't know if it's ever done completely. I do think you have, 
longer and longer periods of just being, you know, you don't feel like tortured or confused. You just kind of are, but you got to work through a lot of crap before you get to that point. You might have like a honeymoon phase where you, maybe you have a big shift in consciousness and everything is coming up roses for a year or two, but like, ultimately, I don't think that's how the world is set up. Like you're going to feel some sort of pain again to shake yourself up and keep expanding and learn more. And that can come in many, many forms. And, um, but I think you get better at dealing with stuff as you keep taking the hits. Yeah. Yeah. You get better at dealing with it. You get better at knowing what is true to you. You get better at being aligned in, in your integrity with this is, this is the way that you're, you're authoring your narrative and, mm-hmm. and operating your life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you gain an inner strength that you, I mean, I'm always like, I don't want to say out loud, I can handle anything because then God knows what will be thrown my way. But, um, you can, you can definitely handle a lot. You become a very strong, uh, confident person Mm -hmm. and it's quiet. It's quiet confidence. It's, it's again, that knowing inside, like I got this, I know what's right for me. I, I think that's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It is really powerful to know your true self, to know your true self capital T, as you said. Yeah. And that's not something you can just get out of a book. Like you, you, I think it's on the heels of experiences, which can be on the heels of great pain. You know, it's, I think it's like nature's way of getting our attention. Um, My brother used to tell me, and I, this is the first page, the dedication in the book, like there's no atheists in foxholes. So when you are brought to your knees, like you start looking for answers, like you need help. And that level of surrender leads you to unbelievable expansion. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's incredible. So do, do you think that, <laughs> Valerie, are we as a society in deep shift? Yeah. I think this, this whole situation with COVID, like I got COVID at the beginning of December. I never got it. You know, obviously we all live through the pandemic and we're stuck in our houses. Like I was living in the Bay area and I like left and went to Boulder. And I thought, what the hell is happening? I mean, none of us have ever experienced that before. And for us spiritual folks, I think like you couldn't help but think like, oh my God, this is a shift on a massive scale because the pain that was just in the air was, I mean, it was excruciating. Mm -hmm. And then I actually got COVID um, and I was sick for two months. Like I literally just started feeling better this Monday, which would have been two months exactly. And I thought to myself, this is not just a physical disease. This is a spiritual illness because it, it shook me to my core. And I just thought about all the people in the world that got that. And not everybody had such an extreme experience, but lots of people did. And I don't know if that's going to lead to some sort of tipping point, but how could that not wake you up in some way, shape or form? Our lives were so disrupted. And I just feel like on the heels of pain comes, you know, awakenings. Absolutely. The, the, the pain that your, your first chapter in, in deep shift is if you're losing your shit, like that, like that's the, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Like 
that's a sign that the society is feeling the pain in the in the middle of that pandemic or early on there there is that there's that social revolt of of human rights and, yeah. and and everybody was i i i'm here in the bay area in san jose and there's there is a riot police outside uh, super people, intense yeah it was very intense and and this is that deep shift manifesting itself yeah it totally is and like you know i had moved out i was in san mateo and i had been living out there for a year and then um I was going to like the grocery store or something, maybe five days before the whole Bay Area went into a lockdown. And I mean, I was like, what is going on right now? But like, I'm so sensitive. I could just, I knew, obviously I knew something was going on, but I had no idea what that would look like or feel like. And I remember like start, the anxiety started setting in because it was just so strong in the air. And then when they announced the lockdown, like the Bay Area was the first place to go into a lockdown. And I remember calling my dad and saying, like, I don't know that many people out here yet. Like, what is a lockdown? And we made the decision together. Like, he was like, pack your stuff and get out of there because I don't know what that means either. You know, I I didn't know if they were going to like lock us in our houses. It was so intense. And that I did. I packed my dog up. I gave all the food and toilet paper and everything I had to my friends. And I like got in the car and drove to Reno and drove through like a massive snowstorm. It Everything was chaotic, like getting to the hotel, the lady at the front desk was crying. Like it was as intense as intense could be. And I thought, oh shit, like, here we go. Here we go. And then, I mean, I could never have foreseen that it would go on that long. Right. And so how could that not affect all of us, the whole world? How could it not? Yeah, it, it was, it was so intense and, and people, spiritual people were recognizing that like, this is, this is a happening. This is a, this is a, this is a collective transition. This is a collective shift into uh, more awareness, more consciousness is expanding. What else would it be? What else could it be? I mean, I I mean, I don't know. I've never seen anything like that in my life. It was like, wow. And and the Bay Area was the first to lock down, the last to unlock. (laughs) I was scared. I really was scared. I was like, it's me and like my six pound dog and I'm going to Boulder where at least I can like walk out in fields. You know, I didn't know what to do. I was totally... Um, the, the terror had set in and I think I'm a pretty calm person. So I can't imagine, you know, collectively what, what did that feel like all over the world? And, um, yeah, I think it changed the way people think and live for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I want to ask you also about this last chapter in deep shift, uh, transformed people transform people. Can you can you say a little bit about that? Because that is so much of you know the wounded healer. That 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 that's a, that's a narrative. That's an archetype. Mm-hmm. The wounded healer, transpersonal psychologists having suffered through their own traumas or their own spiritual emergencies or other other people in different fields and different walks of life. They 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 experience just like you're saying the deep shift. 
the trauma that causes that deep shift to happen. And then they become healers. They become people that are impactful and influential in other people's lives. Can you say a little bit about that? Well, I mean, what would make a better healer than that? Someone that's actually been through it. I want someone that's been been dragged through the mud, not someone that just read about it, right? So, and I also think it's a natural progression. Like when you learn things, you know, the secrets of the universe, or you have like some crazy, amazing experience that changes your life. For me, it's, it's obvious that it would be a natural progression to then want to help others. I think when you do start having shifts in consciousness and this expanded awareness, your world is not this anymore. It's not this pinhole, this grain of sand that's your life. You start thinking about the collective, the world, and how you can be of service, you know, and that is like, to me, maybe the most beautiful part of all of this. It's like hurt people, hurt people, transformed people, transform people. And it's like, what else would you be doing? Like Mm -hmm. you've had the experience, you've now seen the light. Why wouldn't you be there for other people to help them? Because how, how many people need help? I mean, I needed help. And people were there to help me. It's you become, um, you just want to give back whatever that may be. You know, for me, it was writing and, you know, talking to people, doing some speaking. But I always say if everybody just did one thing that they loved and they, if it was art or music or whatever, and put that out in the world, we'd have a transformed world. Yeah, because your your heart begins to be inflated and you and you want in in a good way it's expanded it's yeah. it, it, it wants to include others it wants to bring others on the journey and expand the tribe of of people that are awake the, the people that yeah. have been through their shifts and have been gotten through their shit too yeah and i like have mad respect for people that do the work i mean it's I've gotten better, but it was really hard for me for a long time to understand, like, you know, all this help is available to someone and they just won't do it. They, and then I realized like, well, they're just not there yet, Mm -hmm. but the people that take a deep dive into cleaning up their side of the road and like doing whatever necessary to get their shit together. Like I tip my hat to you because I know how hard it is. It's awful, but damn it. It's worth it. Yeah, yeah, it is worth it. And thank you so much for your work. Enlightenment is sexy. And in deep shift, this is helping people get them along in the journey. You're you're inviting people into the conversation. You're inviting people to be comfortable and and to and to have somebody to talk to, to have somebody to to work this out with and and in deep shift there's there's exercises there's there's ways to continue to deepen and to unravel unravel some of those those knots that that happens when you're when you're in that process thank you Yeah. yeah i mean i it's not it seems complicated and when you're in it it feels really complicated but when you start like you said undoing the knots when you look back, you're like, it's not complicated, but you do have to do the work. It's not going to unravel itself, like without you being involved. And, you know, that's the challenging part. 
Yeah. So, so get support, get, get other people around you, get this yeah. book, get, 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 get resources so that you are able to have the, the strength and, and, and gain the knowledge that the universe is going to be sending you the sort of knowledge that you need in order, if you're watching, if you're watching, if you're listening to this conversation, this is the universe giving you <laughs> this opportunity to get this book, have more of these conversations, get into community, find mentors, find guides, find a transpersonal therapist, get people involved in your in your process so that it, it makes it easier. So that those those knots actually find like the 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 knots find their way home, find they their do. way and, out of and you'll be shocked at how fast you'll move through issues and stuff because you do have this um alivened awareness you can see further and deeper into situations past traumas all of that and things do move faster than if you're like really dense and you really have no awareness then it's like real struggle so the path does get easier the more and more you wake up but uh yeah keep the course gotta keep going yeah well, thank you so much, Valerie. I really appreciate the conversation. I was so excited to have this. And I think it was so valuable for other people listening in. Um, thank you so much. In Deep Shift is her new book. Go go out and get that. It's in Barnes and Noble. Were you so excited that it's mm -hmm. in Barnes and Noble? That's I was so, so awesome. I was like, oh my God, my childhood dreams are coming true. Right, right. <laughs> so so beautiful. I'm I'm so proud of you and your journey. Um, thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It was great. Yeah. You are in deep shift in your life right now. That is sexy. Enlightenment is sexy. Growth is sexy. Those growing pains that you're experiencing are making you more attractive to the universe. My conversation with Valerie Genghis, author of Enlightenment is Sexy and In Deep Shift, out now at Barnes & Noble and Amazon, was incredible. Subtitled to this in deep shift, riding the waves of change to find peace, fulfillment, and freedom. Our conversation will help you understand the process. It'll help you understand why it is so hard to go through those shifts alone, to go through those things alone. Guidance, help in those in, in that transformation. And it is a process. It'll help you understand all of that. She is a wonderful scholar of transpersonal psychology. Make sure to get her book right now and check out the podcast. Comment, like, share, subscribe. Engage with it in any and every way that you can. I appreciate it. Together we are moving humanity forward. Thank you.